0: Hello and welcome to the Twilight Zone Club, a podcast where we discuss all the episodes of the Twilight Zone. Today is September 18th, 2008. I am Sharon Hawkinson, your host. It is really great to be back with you after a long absence. Unfortunately, this podcast has been off the air for a while due to life's little unforeseeable events. But it is a thrill to be back up and running. I have done a complete overhaul of my sound system, so hopefully we'll get a bit of a better sound quality on the podcast now. We now now have 115 subscribers, which is wonderful, so we're still alive. (laughs) I appreciate all of you for hanging in with me and keeping the faith, and um, we will certainly be keeping this podcast up and running and... Moving at a, a fairly good pace. To recap where we had left off in the past, we had discussed the episodes Where Is Everybody and One for the Angels. Today's episode is the third episode in our series, and we'll be discussing Mr. Denton on Doomsday and the 16 millimeter shrine. We're looking to implement some new changes, which will keep this podcast exciting. One of them, which will be discussing two episodes per podcast rather than just doing one. And also on the blog, I'm going to put what we will be discussing in the next episode. That way you can be thinking about that for next time when we're on the air again. Later on in the podcast, I'll be giving some contact information so that you can give your feedback. What I'm really hoping for this podcast is that it will be more of an interactive, between me and the listeners, instead of you hearing me drone on all of the time, I would love opinions about the show and your reviews and feedback on the episodes that we're discussing. Before we actually get into our discussion today, I do want to point out that somebody did ask if I actually put the Twilight Zone episodes in this podcast. No, I do not. I do not put them in this podcast due to copyright. Laws. I do not hold the copyright to the Twilight Zone episodes, and so I don't want to. I don't want to go there and um, get ourselves into any trouble. So, but there are links where you can actually go online and watch some of the episodes, which I'll go ahead and put in the show notes. You can also order the Twilight Zone episodes through Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Sometimes you can even get them from Best Buy. The ones that are actually grouped into season by season are called the Twilight Zone, the Definitive Collection. And as I said, they're grouped into seasons. So you get season one, season two, number three, four, and then five in the different volumes. There was also an earlier publication of the Twilight Zone, but they weren't grouped into the seasons. I think the way those were grouped were when Time Life offered them in their collections. You remember long, 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 long ago when, when you, when you could get a, a video of a, of a TV show with two or four episodes depending on the length and you'd get a new one every six weeks. I think that the way those were grouped were in the order that Time Life had them. But personally, I like them season by season. All right. Getting into our discussion of Mr. Denton on Doomsday. This episode aired on October 16th, 1959. The actors in this episode were Malcolm Atterbury as Henry J. Fate, Dan Duryea as Al Denton, Martin Landau as Hodling, and Doug McClure as Pete Grant. We have a little synopsis here. Al Denton, once a feared gunslinger, now the town drunk, is forced to draw against Hodling, a sadistic bully. That day, Henry J. Fate arrives in town. Fate's glance gives Denton's hand a life of its own, and Denton disarms Hodling, and he regains the respect of the town. His new reputation soon attracts a young hotshot that challenges him to a duel. Denton, his gunslinging ability, once again gone, buys a potion from Mr. Fate. It will give him ten seconds of deadly accuracy. As soon as the young gunslinger enters the saloon, Denton downs the potion. And the introduction, as spoken by Rod Serling. Portrait of a town drunk named Al Denton. This is a man who's begun his dying early a long, agonizing route through a maze of bottles. Al Denton, who would probably give an arm or a part of his soul to have another chance to be able to rise up and shake the dirt from his body and the bad dreams that infest his consciousness. Then the camera goes to a shot of Henry J. Fate. In the parlance of the times, this is a peddler a rather fanciful-looking man in a black frock coat. And then the shot goes to a six-gun that materializes beside Denton, and this is the third principal character of our story. Its function, perhaps to give Mr. Al Denton his second chance. Now, there is actually a website that I'm getting the synopses in, the, in my information from, which I will include in the show notes. Another resource that I use, and I do believe I have spoken of this in earlier episodes, is the Twilight Zone Companion by Scott Zakri. And it's a wonderful little reference that goes into detail about the episodes, shows pictures of the actors, and gives some inside information. It's a really nice little handy thing to have, as I said. You can order this through Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or get it from any other bookstore. And when I bought the definitive collections season by season of The Twilight Zone, they actually included one in the first season volume, which was a really, really nice treat. Now another change that we're going to do In this podcast, instead of going through some study questions, I'm just going to give you a little review of the episode as I see it, which will actually cover the types of study questions I've written in the past. Then we won't have to go through question by question. And my review of Mr. Denton on Doomsday. This was not one of my favorite episodes. When I first saw it, I had a hard time concentrating on it. Perhaps a part of it was because I'm not a Western fan, nor a fan of Western settings. I had to watch this episode a number of times before I caught the meaning and theme of it. Call me a ditzy blonde. (laughs) Al Denton was someone to pity. Yes, he was a town drunk, but there was obviously a reason as to why he got into that shape. He was a well-known gunslinger. A perfect shot who could drop his opponent just like that. It's a heck of a thing to be famous for. I would say it would drive many a person to drink, knowing that your existence is based on the kill or be killed statement. This episode certainly proves that even though a person can hit rock bottom, there are ways to climb out of the pit. Thanks to Henry J. Fate, Al Denton is given a second chance. Once again, he falls into his old gunslinging fame, but in the end, he doesn't win, nor does he lose. Both he and his opponent are shot in their good hands, thus ending their careers as famous shooters. Now, does Denton stay reformed? Yes, I believe so. I feel he has learned a lot from his days as a drunk, and he knows he doesn't want to go back to that he would not want to once again lose the respect of the town, and last but certainly not least, there is a woman who is sweet on him. She believes in him and stuck up for him, even when Denton couldn't do that for himself. If an epilogue was in the works, it would probably point out that he and Liz Smith, the said woman, probably got married and now had a family of their own. Remember in the episode, it was said that it was a story to tell his grandchildren, and now he lived to have them. My rating for this episode out of five stars, I would give it a three. Moving on to The 16 millimeter Shrine. This one aired on October 23rd, 1959. The actors in this episode, Ida Lupino as Barbara Jean Trenton, Martin Balsam as Danny Weiss, Ted Corsia as Marty Saul, and John Clark as Herndon in the film. The synopsis for this episode reads, Barbara Jean Trenton, an aging actress, secludes herself in a private screening room and watches her old films, her agent trying to help gets her a small role in a film, and arranges a visit with an old leading man of hers. This only pushes her further into the past. A maid, bringing a meal, discovers the room empty. She looks at the screen and runs out of the room. She calls her agent, and he turns the projector back on. On the screen, he sees the living room of the house, filled with stars as they appeared in old films. Barbara Jean throws a scarf at the screen. When the film runs out, the agent finds the scarf on the living room floor. The introduction is spoken by Rod Serling. Picture of a woman looking at a picture. Movie great of another time, once brilliant star in a firmament no longer a part of the sky, eclipsed by the movement of earth and time. Barbara Jean Trenton whose world is a projection room, whose dreams are made out of celluloid, Barbara Jean Trenton struck down by hit-and-run years and lying on the unhappy pavement, trying desperately to get the license number of pleading fame. My review for this episode? Barbara Jean Trenton is an aging, washed-up actress who yearns for her former glory days, She spends her days and nights in her private screen room, where over and over she watches her own films, reveling in the romantic lead parts she played. She wishes with all her heart that things could be as they once were. Ida Lupino was a terrific actress who played this role wonderfully. She captured the emotions of Barbara Jean exquisitely and truly brought her to life. Although Lupina did a marvelous job, I don't particularly care for Barbara Jean as someone I might like. To me, she was arrogant, spoiled, demanding, and somewhat snobbish. Of course, those qualities still exist in her older self. I do pity her in some ways, however. It's hard for some people to grow old. Not only do they age physically, but times also change. Barbara Jean can't accept that she is no longer romantic leading lady material. She is given a chance for a role playing a mother, but she is devastated by that prospect. She is further driven over the edge when the present-day Jerry Herndon pays her a visit, and she is shocked at his aged appearance. On the other hand, Barbara Jean is not the only one this happens to. Had she been able to accept her fate, she might have still enjoyed a fine acting career. Yes, it would have been different than it was during her prime, but a career still could have been salvaged. The ending of the episode is quite fitting for Barbara Jean. She wished to go back to a place where she was carefree, admired, and loved, and that is exactly what she got. She winds up inside a movie clip of times gone by. The last time we see Barbara Jean is when she invites her guests into her home for a get-together. She then draws closer to the audience, this audience being her agent, blows him a kiss, throws a scarf, and then the film ends. She is never seen again. My rating for this episode would be four out of five stars. I will include these reviews in our show notes so that you may go back and look at them. I would also love your feedback, and we'll share that in future podcasts. If you'd like to write up your own review, you can email that to me or leave it on the blog. And I'll give you that contact information. You can email me at US. That is spelled S-W-E-E-T-N-I-G-H-T-I-N-G-A-L-E-U-S at yahoo.com Again, that's US at yahoo.com You can leave a message for me on the blog itself. That address is http slash slash twilightzoneclub.blogspot.com. It's T-W-I-L-I-G-H-T-Z-O-N-E-C-L-U-B at, or no, .blogspot.com, excuse me. We also have a voicemail number that you can call, and you can leave feedback on that or a verbal review, which I would be glad to play in future podcasts. That number is 206-426-7408. Again, that's 206-426-7408. That contact information will be in the show notes. In our next episode, we will be discussing walking distance and escape clause. So if you would like to leave your feedback on those episodes, I will be glad to play that in our next episode and share with you emails and messages in our next podcast. So for now, this is Sharon Hawkinson signing off and wishing you a happy week.